Well, so hi. Yes. Hi. I can do the things where we say hello now because I did share it. it. Yay. So yeah, we're here. What the hell? Is it a Wednesday? <laughs> Does it feel Wednesday E to you? It's Wednesday, March 24th. March oh, is almost over. March 24th. Do you know that March 24th is an incredibly important date? Why is and that? And in Shermer, Illinois, March 24th, 1984, all of the five kids were detentioned in the breakfast club. Oh, Lord. That was March 24th? <laughs> yeah. Well, that is a significant movie day, isn't it? It is. It's pretty huge. It's a big deal. That was one of my vital uh, movies that, that installed some, some values. That makes for me wonder. That makes me wonder if you compiled a list of like significant dates from movies, like like fictional, like something important happened on like what what's the date in Back to the Future? It's like November 5th, I want to say, is yeah, when it goes back fourth. in time, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, I wonder if you compi- compiled all of them, if you'd find that you could have like a holiday every day of the year from like <laughs> celebrating different uh different movies significant dates because there's been a lot of movies and stuff i have many friends have to be pretty obscure (laughs) who i think should probably do the astral like like reach out and get the astrological chart for that day in the movie epic things might happen that would be fucking cool actually yeah just like here's the here's the horoscope for this movie in this day yeah like horoscope for die hard right horoscope for I don't know. Insert any well, movie. Die Hard is Christmas. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but in a particular year. True. But true. it was set. And a you particular know, location. There's another um, another totally random movie related trivia thing that years ago. I can't. I don't think I've shared this on the show. If I have, stop me. So okay. years ago, I had the thought, what movie features the largest amount of money being stolen? Did we talk about this? No. But so like there's heists, right? Yeah, there's heists yeah. where they steal a million dollars or two million dollars or and then there's some that go. And so when I looked this up, I was like, I think I know or I have a guess of what I think the most yeah. amount of money ever stolen in a movie is because it's the most amount I could think of. But then I looked it up and no one had compiled this list. This is oh. years ago. And yeah. I was like, this seems like the kind of thing the Internet would have an answer for. So I recently years later looked it up and someone finally compiled the list guess what was at the top of the list the movie that i thought was number one. Oh, great Speaking i think i of thought of the italian job but go uh, ahead. there's a lot of money in there um the the number two is a movie called <laughs> damn it sean yes! connery sean connery and Catherine zeta jones Catherine does the something about the, a condor the stereotypical um, uh, tight leather pants and lasers that you have to like dodge mm-hmm. around doing gymnastics, which is so stupid. <laughs> um, Pierce I want to say it's not the, in that. No, 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 no. Mm. I can't remember what it's called. It, it's it's something like like infidelity or insurrection or some. So it's like just a <laughs> one, a word like that. Okay, but uh, it's not that. Anyway, number one. Speaking of Die Hard, Die Hard 3. Oh. They steal 
$120 billion worth of gold. Jeez. And then um, Jeremy Irons has that awesome speech where he's like, um, we're an army with no country, but now we, we can decide which country we will buy. <laughs> and I was like, that's badass. And like the, the next one down is like, no, no. Uh, it, it, there's nothing even close. Right. There's nothing like that. Number one is like a hundred billion dollars more than anything else that's ever been stolen in a movie. Okay, because I don't remember Die Hard three or whether I've watched it. It's possible that I have, and it's that amount in gold. Yeah. So already hundreds of billions of dollars is just hard to fucking fathom. Anyway, have you not seen Die Hard three? It's great. it's possible. I don't necessarily remember it. There's yeah. The first one is awesome. Movies. The second one is like. A, a complete rehash of the first one but then the third one they were like we can't just do the same thing again so mm -hmm. the third one is like a buddy cop comedy kind of thing and it's great the third one is awesome it's um sam jackson and uh bruce willis and um mm. uh and like an actually clever plot it's that possible. like it makes sense see like the first movie is like right right guy in the wrong place right mm -hmm. The second one is unbelievable, meaning like it's it's it stretches your suspension of disbelief because and, and they just think that they can get away with it by being like, how could the same thing happen to the same guy twice? But right. it's actually stupid because it doesn't make sense. But the third one, there's a reason why it's John McClane. There's a reason why he ends up getting embroiled in this plot so much better writing and the yeah. third one is and then we just pretend the next two didn't happen <laughs> sure. what's the year of that release do you recall 90s yeah so there's a whole bunch of things i totally totally saw but i just saw so many things in high yeah. school that i don't necessarily remember yeah. them they sort of blend together i do yeah. sort of recall the difference between uh the lethal weapon and turner and hooch and like everybody i saw everybody's movie i saw everybody's movie jean-claude van damme movies i saw them saw them all i, I saw all the steven seagal movies and turner and hooch. i'm that was a joke <laughs> okay <laughs> tango and cash turner and hooch lethal weapon it's all the same movie yeah insert one of them has here. a dog as one of the protagonists so <laughs> so good so good yeah so i'm pretty sure i saw it but i just don't it doesn't doesn't pull apart from because it was like every saturday was a new one of these on hbo mm -hmm. plus watching yeah well die hard three is worth going back and watching again first okay, one cool. is classic movie third one is like legitimately a good sequel second one is kind of lame um has a good villain but they don't really do anything with it um but then the fourth and fifth one and now <sighs> so we didn't come up with a homework assignment on air last yeah. week but no we uh, can do it now <laughs> we can say, you had a recommendation say, for me and i had a recommendation for you so <laughs> i had a recommendation for you yeah you said mr destiny right oh did you watch it no 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 oh no. great i'm saying i'm saying uh you you suggested it and i was like i'm not gonna have time <laughs> yeah well so oh gosh tv lately yeah Oof. i've been watching things that don't i so there's a bunch of things I know that are in my my hopper to yeah. watch, like um, this recent 
season of the magicians i love that freaking show and they have a new season and i just have not allowed myself to watch it yet because i'm scared because i want i know i could be really good and wonderful but i am also could feel emotions there's <laughs> the <laughs> i get that that's our show there's <laughs> what is it ms mazel there's a season of that that I haven't caught up in. It's, it's a good show. And I know it's going to be, I just don't, I am, yeah. I'm having, and I'm not alone here. I'm having a little bit of, 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 of some anxiety around watching things because I don't, I just, life is a little challenging. I don't know if you've noticed there's stuff going on and I've been through a lot of emotional stuff and other humans too. Right. Yeah. So I, I just, it's almost sad because I'm watching things I know I don't really care about, like Superman and Lois and The Flash and this new Batwoman. And I'm not, it's fine. I'm not like, woohoo, I'm having a wonderful experience. But I'm also not disappointed because I also know that they're not great. So when good things happen, I'm like, oh, right. that it was above my really low expectations. That was kind of okay. <laughs> Dude, I'm so busy right now that i have not even watched the first episode of falcon and the winter soldier like if that tells you something that is um, mm -hmm. i uh i mean you know how i feel about those marvel movies and i am like i haven't even watched it yet like so what have i been watching um uh in the limited time that i have i've been watching things that are very comforting yeah <laughs> so what stuff that i've watched before typically um uh tv shows um we're watching what we do in the shadows which have you seen the the movie i still have to it's i think it's, it's in my queue yeah it, it's fabulous um really really fun and like very light and the show is fabulous really really good that i'm that's like one of the well one of the only two things that I'm watching that I haven't seen before. We're rewatching Rick and Morty or I'm rewatching it. Cause Faye hasn't seen the newest couple seasons. And um, Liz and I, this is why I brought this up. Liz and I went back and forth literally for days. Like we finished something we were watching, maybe WandaVision. Mm -hmm. And uh, she were like, what are we going to watch next? And I, she kept suggesting things. And I was like, that's not no, no. And then I suggested things and she's like, no, we actually started watching two shows and she vetoed both of them. Um, <laughs> we started watching and understandably, we started watching Ozark season three, oh, which yes. is like, I mean, one of the darkest shows I've ever seen. Um, yeah. And then we started literally watching a show called dark, uh, <laughs> which I heard from a friend, was a really good time travel -y kind of show. Mm -hmm. Very interesting and original and uh, dark as fuck, um, obviously. And she's just like, no, I can't do this. And I kept thinking, like, what I want to watch is, like, the Orville. Do you know what that is? Mm, I don't think so. I mean, there's, the, there's a shape in my head trying to form, but not really. The Orville was Seth MacFarlane of, of Family Guy mm -hmm. um, making Star Trek The Next Generation with fart jokes. Mm. Um, and it's actually, I, would, I will make a strong argument that it is the best Star Trek show in the last decade or the best Star Trek anything in the last decade. 
because everything else that people have made that has the title Star Trek slapped on it is not Star Trek. But this is actually energetically, thematically, it feels like an, a, a, a love letter to Next Generation, which nice. I love. It's just not quite as smart, but it still has some good science fiction concepts and things like that. However, I've seen it just recently and I can't, I don't like rewatching most things immediately after having seen them. So I was like, no, I can't do that. So we settled on a show that we are now half hate watching, I think, (laughs) called Eureka. Mm hmm. Have you ever seen it? Do you know what it is? Oh, my God. I love that show. See, when people are stressed out and they want something that's just light, fluffy, Mm -hmm. happy, but also like semi enjoyable. It's like um, I think Eureka is the the TV show equivalent of going to Applebee's and getting one of those skillet cookie sundaes with all the stuff on it and sharing it with your friends. That is I mean, it's. It's not a good cookie, but it's really, really hot and it's crispy yeah. on the edges. And it's got <laughs> yummy like ice cream and I think Applebee's there. is is and I'm not a fan of Applebee's. <laughs> I actually think you're overselling it a little bit. I think it's like a little closer to like bordering on McDonald's for me. Um <laughs> but I, at the same time, I'm like, you know what I fucking need right now? I need some McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. Um I, I, the, the, the writing is so formulaic and <laughs> so cliche. And like, we're like seven episodes in, and the protagonist is still going like every time something crazy happens, he's like, Sorry. well, it can't possibly be that. And you're like, at what point? It's like, it's like a light and fluffy X-Files. Right. And when at some point you're looking at Scully and you're like, with all the things you've seen, mm-hmm. how can you still be skeptical about anything? <laughs> so, is he playing the Dudley Do-Right? Is that what, is that what the historical, like, the, 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 the cop? The straight man cop character. Yeah. yeah. She's like kind mm-hmm. of like earnest and doesn't like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. I don't mean straight as in not gay. I mean like yeah. <laughs> the comedy foil. Um, yeah. I don't know. Um, it's just. <sighs> and it's so turn your brain off that it's kind of perfect. We, we both keep commenting <laughs> every time we have time to sit down and watch it that yeah. we're like, I hate this and I love this. (laughs) Uh, Like we keep pausing it and making fun of it. It's almost our own kind of mystery science theater thing. It just reminds me of riding the kitty rides at Disneyland. Mm. Oh, good, good point. Good, good analogy. Yes. Yeah. It's like, there's no real stakes here (laughs) and (laughs) it's not really that interesting but you know what i don't need right now i don't need to go 60 miles an hour backwards through flame and fire and upside down i really do love so the the premise of eureka is that apparently there is this secret government town full of the greatest minds and scientists Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. engineers around ever and so it's secret and this marshal somehow happens upon this town and ends up replacing the sheriff mm-hmm. so that's the thing it's this this he's a sheriff uh who he's followed his daughter who'd run away and ended up in this town and then 
<laughs> so he has to he has to be the the person attempting to keep the town together while mm-hmm. every other week somehow someone accidentally destroys something or you know, unravels space time or melts half the city and every single episode has a point when some genius character spouts off a bunch of technical mumbo jumbo and he's like whoa 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 slow down here like you gotta explain it for the and then the blue collar like you know grit and 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 tenacity all almost always saves the day in the end yeah yeah um it's very comparable to me but more exciting and and a little more x filesy to the Big Bang Theory in the sense that mm. I've, I've always said the Big Bang Theory is like a smart show for stupid people. It's a okay. show that makes you feel smart if you're not. <laughs> <laughs> but if you actually are, you can't watch that show. <laughs> I actually think that Eureka and The Flash are really similar. The way in which you're describing Eureka. Oh, you're totally right. You're totally right. I watched like three or four seasons of Flash. You're totally right. <laughs> and I've Same always thought it was like way doofier and happy yeah. than it should be. And I'm like, mm-hmm. why do people like this? And I keep watching it because it, much like musicals, accidentally makes me cry without earning it. Uh, they recently had an episode. <laughs> me too. Where it was like, it was That's all about such a good love. putting it like you didn't earn this but i don't know why it's so emotional it's really dumb the cgi is dumb the yeah. way that they have flash save yeah. things i'm like wait a second let me guess he runs really really fast yeah or one of my favorites is he'll do this with his hands and I'm make tornadoes wind. or sending lightning bolts oh <sighs> good good lord and well, then, speaking of flash do we want to did you watch the movie yeah did you want do we want to do we want to segue sure i mean that's yeah. a reasonable jumping off point so, so last minute well i'm just gonna wrap up finish, finish, our thoughts finish, about sorry finish. breakfast club which oh, we started sh- with forever <laughs> holy shit that was a callback good job <laughs> fun this is an incredibly important movie and maybe maybe we can do maybe we can do it as an assignment in one of the the future episodes because this idea in the 80s of the value of a whole bunch of different personalities and the dropping and recognizing like a, a whole movie that's about people recognizing their similarities and actually having true connection mm. in in a time where i th- I mean, well, so Wonder Woman was touching on the fact, the 84, the one thing that's fascinating about the movie is it's touching on this superficiality that begins to ramp up in the 80s. And so Breakfast Club is sort of a a counter to that phenomenon of of people getting ridiculously disconnected and, and into materialism and just like moving further and further away from humanity. And I think it's really cool that I think I saw Breakfast Club when I was seven at my cousin's house. Uh, and I really looked up to my cousins and they thought it was a kick-ass movie. And I just kept re-watching it as I grew up. Freaking love that movie. And it's, yeah. I don't know. I've, I've never really 
fully bought into the theory that anyone's different from anyone else. Mm. And I think that movie helped me have that philosophy. And it's really worked out for me. The idea that there's, there's some, there's unifying forces in humanity where if you poop, we probably have something in common, you know, well, what's, what's the, the, the old saying that it's like, everyone has in common that we're completely unique. And mm. also we are all uh, different and we're all, and that's exactly what makes us all the same, <laughs> like, yeah. like both at the same time. And it's yeah. paradoxical. Cause like the truth is there are human characteristics or you could even say animal that's characteristics fair, yeah. that are universal. And then there's also, which that movie celebrates the differences too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, speaking of, of shows we're in the middle of uh, and haven't watched in like weeks, we were watching Freaks and Geeks. Oh. And um, when you brought this up, I was like, oh, you know what? Freaks and Geeks is like uh, the Breakfast Club, the series in nice. a lot of ways. I still haven't um, seen that. I'm writing it down. It's, it's freaking fantastic. You want to talk about good writing. Um, and great acting and um, just so far ahead of its time and very much about life in the eighties. So I think it's like, um, it's got that stranger things, 1980s nostalgia stuff, mm-hmm. but it doesn't like, Ooh, remember it. It's like, actually, <laughs> no, no, no. This is what it was really like. And you're like, Oh my God, that is what it was like. And it's very, very well done. Um, nice. I haven't finished the series, but they've seen it multiple times i think okay i'm adding but it definitely if you like breakfast club this is it definitely has a very similar and maybe even like like updated you know like that movie's Mm -hmm. very 80s yes and this this is about the 80s but it wasn't made in the 80s so the storytelling and the acting and the writing has like progressed since you sometimes know about directors has anybody become the new is it john hurst Hughes, John Hughes. Has that John become Hughes. the new Hughes? Uh, I mean, not, not, not that like captures that. Did yeah. you see eighth grade? I don't think so. I did see easy A. That was pretty Bo- decent. Bo Burnham, my, my, probably my favorite stand up comedian, which is saying mm-hmm. something because I am a big comedy fan and I have a lot of favorites. But Bo Burnham is just this auteur fucking child prodigy genius Mm -hmm. um he after making several comedy specials and then uh writing starring and directing in his own tv show called zach stone is going to be famous (laughs) that was very funny um didn't take off he then wrote and directed a movie that was Hmm. super critically acclaimed he was not in it but uh it's called eighth grade and it's, uh, it is supposed to be um, according to most people who describe it, it is like finger on the pulse of what it is actually like right now to be a kid in school with social media and with all of these different things. And it's like the kind of writing that feels like you're really following people around in this. And it yes. um, that movie comes to mind when I think about, what uh breakfast club captured at that right. time uh i think the spider-man movies 
were were in like overtly intended to be a kind of John Hughes yep. uh, callback. But I, I mean, they're superhero movies, so they're not obviously they're not the same thing. But I, I don't know when I think about like King of Staten Island. What wasn't that one that came out recently that that had yeah I've not a seen bit that of that yet. I don't know. I I definitely don't think there is like one director who who has become known for that for doing those kinds of movies. That's fair. Um, it's not a requirement. There's all sorts mm. of stories that people are telling. Sure. I don't. Uh, I know there are tons of movies being made for Netflix that are high schools specifically. Yeah, I, d- I don't know whether the the infrastructure is a little bit different with all the streaming streaming spaces that like a a major a major release about high school people like high school students. I don't know if that's happened in a while. Mm. Not maybe since American Pie, or maybe I wouldn't notice if it had. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. There's definitely not something I can think of that was like a splash in that way. Because the thing about um, the 80s and, and before was that there was the idea that the people who went to the movies were high school students and right. not just everybody going. Right. There was some point at which they they started broadening the audience that they were making movies for. Well, that's because the high school students grew up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they tur- They became 20 and 30 year olds. And then they now Marvel is the movies for those high school students. They're just totally. not high school students anymore. They're 30 and 40 years old. Totally. All right. Not related. Not likely to be a good transition. But so you gave me like m- morning of yesterday. I'm like, hey, what's our assignment? Are we watching Jack Snyder's cut of Jack? <laughs> Jack Snyder, Rob Snyder. Rob Schneider's yeah. no, Rob Schneider. Of- Rob, <laughs> Rob Schneider's, Schneider's just version. Ice League. <laughs> That's you the, can do it. The uh, sequel to uh, Deuce Bigelow. <laughs> Ice Ice League. That's not the sequel to Waterboy. Mm. Oh, all right. Okay. Yeah. The Just <laughs> Ice League starring Rob Schneider and, of course, um, uh, Adam Sandler. Yep. <laughs> Okay, so you're like, oh, I want to talk about, is it Annihilation? Yeah. The name of the movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. So if I had been, I was half half awake in the texting when I probably shouldn't be in bed, haven't gotten up. I'm like, yeah, totally. I'll just find it and we'll do it. And then it was in my Plex server. So then I did watch it. Oh, Oh, do you hate me now? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we've established that you and I have different genres we prefer watching. I said the word creepy when I described it, right? Wait, did I'm you? I'm pretty sure I did. I'm pretty sure I said creepy as one of the primary words. <laughs> I'm looking it up. Mm. Oh, it does say creepy. Yeah. Creepy and beautiful and I think deeply Symbolic. I missed the creepy uh, part. Didn't I'm sorry. No, it's cool. It's cool. So you're yeah. like watching it. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> there, there are things I can't unsee, and that's okay. Oh, Lord, that yeah. is okay. <laughs> uh I had no. I think I saw as I was like like requesting it. I think I saw it like a cover. It seemed like there were like women. 
maybe some guns. It looked like an adventure. How would you synopsize the movie of like? <laughs> um, <laughs> sort of hard to just. I th- it's really complicated. Okay, first let's give some context. Okay, sure. So yeah. there's a movie called Ex Machina. Okay. Um, that is a fabulous science fiction about artificial intelligence and it made a huge splash love the movie really good movie great acting great just um filmmaking very um cinematic and uh i love joe rogan's way of describing it is he said that he has um he has this rule in his mind that he like counts the number of times that he calls them cut the shit moments and cut the shit means like you're watching a movie and you're like Like, it's the suspension of disbelief. And he says that Ex Machina is one of the only movies he's ever seen where he cannot find a single cut the shit moment. Like, everything in that movie feels it's totally out there about artificial intelligence and robots and stuff. But it's you follow it every step of the way. And you're just like, yep. okay, Yeah. Really interesting. So Alex Garland, who directed that movie and maybe wrote it, too, I think. Also, his follow up was Annihilation. So okay. Natalie Portman um, and some other people who Natalie uh, Portman. I, I, Isaac Oscar Isaacs, um, who was who was also in uh, Jennifer Jason Lee. Yeah, she has a, a, a part in it, too. And America then other Ferreira. People. Oh, is she the, uh, <laughs> the America um, Ferreira, I think the, the Marine? Um, yeah. And the woman who plays Valkyrie, whose name I don't always know in. uh thor ragnarok and she she's in it she who was she she was the other scientist uh who figured out the thing the one who doesn't leave like intentionally yeah (laughs) that's that's the girl from no yeah no way what's her name your new famous what's her face annihilation Annihilation. I'm not going to try to spell that right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tessa Thompson. No. Yeah. <gasps> I totally didn't recognize her. She's so timid and yeah. like small. Like, wow. Well, and really, America's not really like all of the other characters she's played either in this. I, I mean, fucking props. Because uh, I, I like when you don't even recognize somebody who I like, wow, um, first of all, like, let's just say that was awesome. OK, so what is this movie? I don't think that you can even enjoy this movie if you don't think about the symbolism. Right. Because when I first watched it, I didn't get it. <laughs> and there are some times when I'm watching movies where I'm like. I'm watching it and I'm like, this movie is dumb. And then there are other times where I'm like, I think I'm dumb. (laughs) (laughs) I think this movie is smarter than me and I don't get it. And I think they meant something here and I'm not getting it. And it took me watching it multiple times before I started to piece together what I think is going on here. Right. So you, you had no idea and then you went back and watched some more so i've been when i haven't been accidentally slamming my arm into this into the doorways a couple times today i don't know what's i gotta update my system 
mm. to recognize where my width and doors and mm -hmm. things. But when I'm not yelling at the door <laughs> and saying arms are getting longer. <laughs> on my way to the bathroom, I'm in the bathroom going, cool, cool, cool. We're talking about this. We're talking about this movie. Right, 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 right. So with there's sim symbolism. Uh, I'm just going to go unconscious mind. Just bring it out. What? What do we got here? Uh -huh. well, well, let's start with synopsis without spoilers, okay? Okay. So the, the movie starts, at, there's a lot of relational stuff going on where you're mm -hmm. seeing interactions between a couple mm -hmm. and you're not really understanding what's going on, but they're establishing a relationship. But then there's also this science fiction plot of some kind where something crashes to Earth yes. and hits a lighthouse yes. on the coast of Florida somewhere. And begins to expand, kind of like WandaVision, a bubble of energy of some kind that literally looks iridescent like a bubble. Mm -hmm. And every time, and it's growing uh, slowly but surely, it's getting bigger and bigger. And it's uh, at, the, at the point when the movie takes place, it's been there for a couple of years and they've quarantined it and they're trying to keep it secret. Um, it's in basically the swamp. So they, it hasn't like engulfed any cities or anything, yeah. but they've been sending people in to go find out what's happening and no one has come back. Right. And it's kind of see-through. So you can look at the place, you can look into it, but they don't, nobody has any information. And then what ends up happening, this is all quite near the beginning is um, Natalie Portman's character. She's a biologist. Um, her husband after a year of being missing mm -hmm. shows back up at her house, but has no recollection of where he's been right. and is, and then starts to have like severe organ failure yep. and Hammered she thing. gets taken to a secret facility. And then she finds out he was sent in and he's the only person to ever come back out. That is the premise. Yes. Of the movie. That's how it starts. And then and I can't, share Most much you can more say. without spoiling stuff yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah i guess spoilers moving forward i suppose so i yeah so spoilers moving forward is that she begins she joins a team to go in to find out what the fuck mm -hmm. just to make that short and this particular team are all all women uh there's a a radiologist radio specialist no well, she, she's a physicist like um that you're, you're talking physicist, about Thompson. biologist and a saucy person <laughs> the, the marine oh marine yeah so <laughs> saucy um uh, up for sex person i don't know uh <laughs> so one of the things going on for me with this movie is that i i have so environment is really important. And the ritual of dropping into a movie is really important. And one of the things that's happened in my world is some of my roommates no longer work outside of the house and sometimes are cooking in the kitchen and making noises, which changes my ability to drop in fully to an, sure. any experience. And I have a new roommate and we're all sort of masking up. So I was like, they were in the kitchen making noises. I was in a different room than normal. So there's stuff I missed because I was watching a smaller, not as loud thing. So there, I may have missed some stuff, like mm. the ability to drop in fully and let the the thing sure. happen. This is also a very hypnotic 
movie in the in the visuals and in just like very slow scenes where you really totally. need to let yourself be hypnotized by the film. I totally dig. So Jennifer Jason Lee is in Atypical right now, which is a wonderful show that she's not. Eh, I don't think she. The first couple of seasons, she doesn't quite land in her body in this show. It's just sort of awkward and hard to watch. And like this movie, she's very Jennifer Jason Lee in a way that I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally can appreciate her being in stuff and showing it's funny. up. funny. What's the um, <clears throat> what's the uh, Tarantino movie? Hateful Eight. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. Um, that whenever I think of Jennifer Jason <laughs> Lee, that's my favorite role of nice. hers. She always pops to mind in that role. And so when you say she's very Jennifer Jason Lee, I felt like she was really subdued in this part. I mean, good for the character, but she, she was not like, oh, like she wasn't doing a lot. She's um, just very good at dark. Yeah. Yeah. Like no, melancholic. She, she yeah. Melancholic and uh complicated yeah that was her sort of specialty for a lot of years is mm. oh there's a there's a very complicated internal world going on in that mm. human uh I, I love that she finally gets to adventure into the situation she's been putting people into yeah because <clears throat> yeah. she was the psychologist that was profiling all of the people that she sent in that's right she's the psychologist i forgot that okay yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they all. Yeah. This so they first all, they all female go in. team. Yeah. yeah. They all go in, and then um, the next scene after they walk in is Natalie Portman waking up in her tent. Yeah. And she comes out, and it turns out that they've been in there for four days, and no one remembers setting up camp. Right. They, none of them have any memory of the first first four days of them being there and they've eaten half of their rations and they're like, uh, okay, this is clearly weird. <laughs> yeah. And, um, slowly but surely you start to discover that this field is causing things to, I'm going to just use the ambiguous word transform. Okay. Um, that things are mutating or merging or separating in unique and not necessarily beneficial ways, but not necessarily not beneficial ways. It's more mm -hmm. just random in a lot of sense. Sure. Like they run into an, an alligator. I'm assuming since it's Florida that is mutated and um, they end up killing it, but it, it, ha it seems to have like shark teeth or something. Yeah. They find these flowers that are all growing on one branch, but it's different flowers. J just stunningly beautiful movie can we can we agree on that yes. like the yeah. the design the effort that they put to the scenes where there's trees where you're walking through and there's like colorful flowers growing around the tree those are not cgi somebody went in there by fucking hand <laughs> and like put this around all these trees it's amazing and then like one of my favorite scenes near the end when she's on the beach where the sand has grown into these glass glass trees, trees yeah. that are just, I mean, breathtaking. Yes. Like, really, I think the movie's gorgeous and also horrifically creepy. <laughs> yeah. Well, essentially on any scary adventure, 
uh, not everyone's going to survive. Yeah. Like people are going to be attacked. Oh yeah, there's that one lady mm-hmm. who we haven't mentioned. The, the um, one that with the insert bear? <laughs> white woman here. Yeah, uh, lady. Yeah, you're you're talking about the 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 one she kind of makes friends with, and then. Yeah. Is the first one to get checked off the list. The first little Indian to fall. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So as you go in, there's there's so many movies like this, like going deep into the jungle. What is it? Heart of Darkness. This is our sci-fi Heart of Darkness movie. Mm -hmm. That's good. So Um, one frame that I have mentioned on the show before, and I, I highly encourage everyone to play with this frame, which is any time that a character is going into a mystical, mysterious world, whether it's uh, Narnia or their um, uh, what 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 was what are other good examples? Um, the um, never-ending story. They go right. into Fantasia. Um, <clears throat> there's lots. Oh, uh, uh, Wizard of Oz is the classic example. Okay. Yeah. Joseph Campbell refers to this as crossing the threshold. Mm-hmm. And that threshold go is from it, at one perspective is it can be from the known to the unknown, but the other way that you can look at it is that it is always or it can always be interpreted as a journey into the unconscious. Okay, so that to me is the Rosetta Stone to understanding this movie is if you imagine that the thing they're going into is the unconscious and then you listen to the lines that they drop about how they're being transformed right about how you can't go into this place without coming out different yes and then all of these different elements start to fall into place and then the ending becomes is still really mysterious and like what in the fuck it like the first time i watched it i was like uh, what is happening <laughs> at the end can we before we get to the end though can we talk about some of the creepy scenes okay wait, wait, wait. so like the closest i got to I, I came out of the one of the bathroom trips just saying really we're always forever changed in any in any adventure we never return mm-hmm or wake up the same each day. Mm-hmm. There's always transformation that's happening constantly. Mm-hmm. And um, the idea that we can attempt to hold on to who we were the day before or or show up to another person like they're the same person that they were the day before. It's one of the things I love in the, the Ho'oponopono uh, meditation that we have both learned to do, the visualization. Mm-hmm. The idea that you, you can... Uh, do a mutual forgiveness process, heal, heal things between people and then sever the connection. So you can make a new connection, being able to mm-hmm. see people new each day, including mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. I That's as close as I got, because here's this, this thing where I don't know. I also, there's this wonderful scene in Xena warrior princess. I think it's in one of the, this like early first, first season where she throws a rock into the the lake or the river or whatever. And you see the ripples out and she's like, you know, eventually, you know, you throw a rock into the river and eventually the, the ripples will, will settle down, but that river is forever changed. Mm. It's never the same, that sort of mm-hmm. thing. And I'm like, as close as I can get to uh, what the heck is this, this, this movie about potentially. <laughs> okay. Well, before, so, if you haven't seen this movie and you want to, full warning, it's very creepy. We'll talk about one of the creepy scenes in just a second. My favorite creepy scene, because oh boy. <laughs> um, 
But the ending of this movie, I'm going to interpret it in my own way. And I highly recommend you watch it on your own first. If you are interested in this before you listen to my pontification about it. However, can we just talk about the bear? (laughs) Oh my God. So they start running into (laughs) creatures, right? And at one point her friend, the, 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 blonde white lady you mentioned Mm -hmm. she gets taken by a bear and then the um america ferrera is that what you said i think so i think she uh goes crazy and and she had said early on there's two theories about why nobody comes out one is something in here kills them and the other one is they go crazy and kill each other right and they clearly found there's a an alligator and a fucking bear that um kill them yeah but also she starts to go crazy (laughs) yeah and there's reasons why that i don't have to go into but she ends up knocking them all out and tying them to a chair yep and then while she's there like about to like go completely nuts and kill them she hears the blonde white lady crying help me from outside so she runs downstairs and then you hear a large crash and then all three main characters left are tied up upstairs in this house and slowly you hear the sound (laughs) of something coming up the stairs right and this this creature it's clearly a bear of some kind that is missing most of its face yes 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 and it comes up the stairs and like at this point i'm already holding my breath right (laughs) i love moments in scary movies sorry i'm bumping my mic i love moments in scary movies where they they take that jump scare feeling but they just stretch it yeah so it's like <laughs> like I can't you don't let me calm down. Right. <laughs> and there's there's very few movies to me that can just like elevate it and be like nope, right here. You're just going to stay right here at like redlining. <laughs> yeah. So the bear comes up and you're just so they're all tied up and they're like and the bear comes over and gets close to them and then one of the creepiest things I've ever seen in a movie <laughs> The bear opens its mouth and it makes the sound of their friend saying, help, help me, help. And it's awful and beautiful. It's so, oh, it's so gross. And yes, very creepy. So long story short, the bear's about to eat one of them. And then America Ferrera comes back up and shoots it. And then the bear kills her. And then, oh, and then, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Kills kills her. Also just rips her bottom jaw from her face. Yeah, yeah. And if you've ever wanted to see Jane the Virgin get her face ripped off by (laughs) a mutant bear, or if you've never wanted to see Jane the Virgin get her don't face ripped off by a mutant don't watch bear, this movie. Listen, you cannot unsee that. I have, let's talk about horror movies for a second here. <laughs> when I was a teenager and I started realizing that I really liked scary movies, I thought there was something wrong with me. Like I really mm-hmm. did. Like I had a deep fear and shame that I was like a psychopath because I liked scary movies. And I was like, what is wrong with me? Why do I like these things? Um, and then one day I started thinking about my mom <laughs> and how my mom loved to watch, what is it, like Lifetime movies? It's like, mm-hmm. it's like tragedy porn. Yes. Right? It's just like they're always a widow. Just sadness. <laughs> it's just 
understand. That's what the whole movie is about. It's just meant to make you go. I don't like those movies, but I like the fear thing. And I've gotten (laughs) shit from people who I respect and love who have who have looked down their nose at me because I like these kinds of creepy horror movies. So listen, if you don't like them, fine. Totally fine. You don't have to watch them. But I find them to be like, I don't experience what you experience. If you don't like them, I promise you, whatever it is that you experience when you watch them, that's not what I'm experiencing. I experience a kind of... I don't know. It's an it's a it, okay, Pendulette. Woo! Left turn. <laughs> <laughs> Pendulette made this argument once. He said, the argument that violent movies or violent video games are a celebration of violence is a complete misunderstanding of what they do and what they're for. Mm-hmm. He makes the claim. That violent video games and violent movies are, in fact, a celebration of life simply because they are not actually hurting anyone. If if you knew that what you're watching was real, you wouldn't enjoy it. That's called a snuff film. And when you when you watch something like that. You like immediately you're like, oh, I don't I don't want to see that. That's gross. That makes me feel terrible because this is real. But knowing that it's not real is like, oh, yeah. OK, cool. Because it it's almost like it 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 inoculates you in a way to mm-hmm. the fear. So you can like try on what would it be like to be in that situation? And I believe that you end up a little less scared of it even living through someone else's experience. Maybe that's just a justification for my own morbid uh, sociopathy (laughs) or psychopathy. Well, I was just thinking about what my edge is because I totally love violent movies and there are some that are pretty gore-filled and pretty gross. And then there's there's something about the, the horror genre that is not my flavor. Uh, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry no, that I did okay. not emphasize creepy enough <laughs> because this this is not hereditary. So don't ever watch hereditary, please. Never. <laughs> I love that movie. And it is a movie that like I need to recover after I watch it. <laughs> yeah. For, like weeks. <laughs> yeah. I just um, saw something. Ra- I think it's raised seven or like there's maybe it's just raised. There's this this movie with um Shit, shit, shit. Zoe Bell, who's a stunt stunt actress, and yeah, now, yeah, I know who uh, she is. Choreographer and all that. She's uh, Uma Thurman's stunt double. Yeah, quite frequently. She is in this movie where she gets kidnapped and then thrown in to a situation where there are women who have to fight to the death. Uh. They're just sort of thrown into these like these cement cages that are have cameras on them. And then they every night, different ones of them have to fight to the death just trying to get out of this maze. It is really violent, just like just fists, just yeah, just fists and survival. Yeah. Ah. And you enjoyed it. 
it was on the edge of being a little too, little too realistic. What I really enjoy when it's going to be incredibly, incredibly violent and incredibly bloody, like the blood to be sort of slightly unreal. Yeah. Which is why I could handle Spartacus. You watch Kill Bill for instance. Yeah. And like people who are like, I don't like gore are like, yeah, but this is a cartoon. (laughs) Like this is so over the top that it's like, "Ah, that's not even a thing. Yeah. Um, Okay. So let's, uh, let's, let's talk about the ending because I need to wrap this up. Yeah. Well, symbolic. So we're going into the unconscious. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, uh, the blonde lady gets eaten by the bear. Yep. America, get america getting <laughs> by the bear yeah. um tessa thompson from thor kills the bear and then the psychologist lady takes off on her own she surrenders tessa thompson surrenders well, yeah, we, we, yeah and then after the psychologist lady takes off on her own natalie portman is there with tessa thompson and she decides i'm not gonna fight it like she says she says you you want to what is it? She she you says, want to fight it. She wants to something it. She wants to study it or something or um understand it. Yeah. She wants to understand it. You want to fight it. I don't want to do either of those things. So right. she just walks over and again, one of the creepiest imageries, the like creepiest, some of the creepiest imagery in the film are these trees that are shaped like people. Mm-hmm. And you're like, as soon as you see them, you're just like, oh, and they're beautiful. It's like flowers, yeah. Yeah. but it's shaped like a person. And you're like, I don't know how that happened, but I don't <laughs> like it. <laughs> <laughs> and so then you she sort of walks off and Natalie Portman's following her and then she's not there anymore. And you're assuming that she is turned into one of the trees of some kind. Yeah. So Natalie Portman. It quests off by herself to go find the lighthouse. By the way, symbolism, lighthouse, a beacon of some yep. kind to illuminate the darkness and protect you from the rocks and the shore and all and the danger. So there's symbolism there, too. I mm-hmm. don't think it's coincidental that this thing crashed into a lighthouse. So she ends up on the beach and there's this one moment where left is home. And right is the lighthouse. And she stands there and drops her pack and looks both ways. And like, I didn't notice that the first time, but I was like, oh, like this is her going, no, I'm going further in. I'm going to keep going. And it's, oh, ah! (laughs) the hero, the hero's journey. So she turns and goes towards it. And then um, there's these trees that are made out of the sand that's turned to glass. And she's like walking through. It's freaking gorgeous. She gets there and there's bones, like human skeletons in front of the lighthouse. <laughs> yes. Just like set up uniformly. And you don't know how it happened, but you're just looking at it and you're like, this is, this is exactly the, this is like a big sign that says turn back now. Yeah. That right? was in the pirate movie last week too. Yeah. It's Walking so, past the bones. Yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> it's so very Joseph Campbell in the sense that it's like, this the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. So she literally goes into a cave. Um, and I, I I don't need to explain all of the things that happened there. There's something about her husband who was the one who had gone in and um him lighting himself on fire. That part of the story is is relevant, but it's not the it's not about the deepest symbolism of this. So she goes mm-hmm. in there 
and um, the psychologist lady is in there and she kind of explodes <laughs> into a being of light of some sort. Right. And then the being of light coalesces into a shape that is humanoid right. that is mirroring Natalie Portman's every move. Right. She runs out of the cave at the bottom. It's a black humanoid, almost like a shadow. Uh-huh. <laughs> so she runs out of the cave back up into the lighthouse and it's already up there. So immediately there, the, the, the story point is, okay, I can't escape. Like this thing can teleport apparently. So there's no way I'm going to be able to run away. So I got to turn and face it. I have to fight it. And so she tries to fight it. She hits it and it hits her back with equal force. She tries to run and it's literally dancing with her. Like it's moving in exactly the same movements. Then there's one part where she tries to run to the door and it runs up behind her and holds her up against the wall and she pushes. And the harder she pushes, the harder it pushes back to the right. point where you really think it's going to crush her skull. Like it's clearly stronger than she is. Yes. So she can't win. She can't fight. She can't breathe. And she passes out. And when she passes out, she relaxes. And then the creature relaxes and falls uh -huh. and takes the exact same position on the floor that she does. She wakes up and it's staring at her, holding the exact same position. She gets up and moves away and it holds the same position with her. So I, part of the understanding, the, the interpretation that I have of this is based on the Matrix trilogy. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people love the first Matrix movie. Not as many people love the second and third one. I still think even if they're not great movies, I think symbolically they're some of the deepest stories ever told by human beings. And the end of the matrix trilogy spoilers <laughs> is um, Neo realizes that Smith is his opposite. He is his shadow mm -hmm. and that the, he can't fight him that every time that he fights, every time he tries to hit him or win Smith is equally powerful or more powerful every and they they symbolize this by having these fights where they're flying in the air and then they hit each other and there's a perfect sphere right that expands it indicating they are exactly equal power so how does he defeat him he surrenders he lets smith win and only by letting him win by integrating and incorporating and embracing the shadow, he heals the shadow. He doesn't even defeat it. He just right. cleanses it. And um, I think that's what the movie's about. I think the movie is about the shadow. And I think that it's about, um, I think that it's about her. There's a, there's a line at the end where they're like, why did you make it back? And none of the rest of them did. Mm -hmm. And she said, I don't think any of the rest of them had to come back. And I did. Right. She said, I had to make it back. Why? Because there's this whole subplot about how she was cheating on her husband and how he left immediately after finding out. And she has all she's racked with guilt about it. And so she wants to try to save him. She wants to figure out because she wants to be able to reconcile this because she really did love him. And it was a mistake. And this, I, this shadow thing, I think, represents her guilt and mm. um, her 
surrendering to it and then being able to hand it a grenade <laughs> and and walk away. And then it, sh- it, it, it clears the whole thing. So the idea is her healing her own shadow and her own judgment of herself saved right. the world. Right. Yes. Yeah, it's possible that a, a person might have to see this twice to, to, get, to get that. Unless you listen to all the spoilers well, so, that I just gave. So the, uh, so the invasion then is the shamanic representation of uh, trauma which throws an aspect of your astral body somewhere else that you have to reconnect and reunite with. So the annihilation, the thing that wants to take over and ruin everything is this, this severed energetic body. They give a definition. They they give a definition of the word annihilation at one point, which is every piece you will be broken down into every part and every part will be broken down into parts until there is nothing of the whole left. And I think that one of this, one of the deepest spiritual principles you run into if you study philosophy and, and deep esoteric traditions is the journey towards enlightenment is the journey of the, the disillusion, the dissolving of the self. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to die. That feels like dying. Yeah. There's, the a, there's a part theme. in them. Sorry. The other theme going on throughout is the theme of cancer and malignancy mm, and mm-hmm. cells needing to create and split and make new. Yeah. Which is, which is running throughout. I don't entirely know how the, how the pathology or the philosophy around cancer cells and their growth, the rebel cells. It's also shadowy. Cancer is rebel cells. That's taking over and shadowing. Interpreted. I don't think it's meant to be taken. It's not. It's not a, a a story about cancer. It's a story about something symbolic. And I think your point about trauma is much more probably accurate there. Well, and the other thing is that there are some theories about the ways in which yeah. cancers do grow from some sort of emotional trigger trauma that happens that is not healed or mended or or faced or dealt with. Yeah, and that the body. Uh, attempts to get attention in a particular way or becomes um, like separate from the whole. And so it's like its instructions aren't clear any longer mm-hmm. without, without healing or, or, you know, it's like rebel cells just like, Oh, we're just, just going to get like, I don't know. I don't know if we know enough about cancers to really, I mean, it was huge everywhere. That looks like malignancy, and as as things are just changing and morphing all over the place, it is, it is one of the larger themes that they're they're pushing harder. There's a another plot point in the Matrix trilogy. In the second movie, so in the in the first movie, he gets shot and he dies, but he's able to come back to life because he realizes that it's he's in the matrix and it's he he separates his consciousness from his body and like realizes the the truth that it's all an illusion there is no spoon mm-hmm. um and then he comes back to life so there's a a part in the second movie where he's fighting like a whole bunch of agent smith and smith keeps overwriting other people 
He's like, he puts his fingers into them and then copies himself onto them. Yeah. And he tries to copy himself onto Neo and Neo escapes. And they asked, they ask him once he gets out of the matrix, like what was happening? And he's like, I don't know what he was doing, but I know what it felt like. And he said, it felt like I was back in that hallway. It felt like I was dying. And then at the end of the trilogy, he lets him do that to him. He stops. He stops fighting and he surrenders. And when you think about, oh, it feels like dying. Yes. Mm-hmm. The ego death, the disillusion of the self is does feel like dying. Yes. Literally, completely, 100%. And that's why we fear it so much. But it is only by surrendering to that. Now, again, I'm not necessarily saying this is what the filmmaker meant. Totally. I'm saying this is what I interpret from the movie. Yeah. Well, did you get any like when you had this frame or or, because you did watch it three times or so. Mm -hmm. Did you have any personal revelations or did it help you in any specific thing that was going on? I mean, emotionally, like like a lot of these transform. I mean, a lot of the influence that I feel from these types of things is more. I feel things. I feel an emotion and that, that, that I have learned to trust that that is actually something shifting. Mm. So I don't know if I could quantify it necessarily. Um, I think, uh, I think the moment on the beach when she turns and decides to go deeper in, that might be personally the most important moment for me yeah. because the stuff about what happens in the lighthouse, I feel like I had all of those healings when I, when I did this process with the matrix Um, because that was me going, Oh, I get it. Okay. I have that shadow inside of me and I have to, you can't defeat it by fighting it. You have to learn to embrace it. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, and it's all, all the demons inside your unconscious are, are fallen angels um, or, I like to put it um, all the monsters in your imagination are wounded children wearing monster costumes. Yeah. And they really just need a hug. Um, They need to be embraced. They need love. And um, so I didn't feel like the ending, the ending was more like, ah, yeah, got it. Got it. I I know this plot point. I know what you're trying to say here, I think. Um, But that, that moment when she's looking both ways and she goes deeper in that felt deeply resonant to me. Like I need that courage, that, 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 that encouragement. Totally. Wow. I've never, (laughs) never, (laughs) never put that together. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah. That, that moment was like, and it's something that made me feel like, there are times in the future when I know I'll be faced with that choice and I, I will remember that moment and choose to go deeper in instead of running away and going home. Others have fallen and been slaughtered. There are bones of the ones Mm -hmm. that didn't make it before. Mm -hmm. And yet we still, Mm -hmm. whatever is compelling us forward is strong enough and valid, valid enough to Mm -hmm. continue going. I like movies like that as a representation of the unconscious because People who think the unconscious is all light and fluffy, like you are only hanging out in one very small part of the unconscious. (laughs) It's one of the reasons why I like 
Alice in Wonderland as one of the best representations. Oh, that's another good example sure. of crossing the threshold into the unconscious because Wonderland is kind of freaking scary. Yeah. It doesn't make a lot of sense and it's kind of threatening and it's loud and it's uh, it's weird and confusing. Doesn't follow rules that you expect it to. It's this like the chocolate movie... factory too. Ah, yes. Good example. <laughs> another great example. Um, this feel this one resonates with my own ex- exploration of my unconscious that yeah. it's fucking terrifying and threatening and and it feels genuinely dangerous yes like you can go in there and not make it back out and most people don't make it back out and like that idea of going you're walking towards the thing that's gonna kill you and there are bones scattered everywhere and you gotta go anyway Yep. That is so encouraging to me. Like watching a movie like that gives me courage to dive deeper into my own insecurities and fears and wounds. Yeah, it's interesting because really psychology has taken paths since Freud to make the unconscious seem kind of friendlier. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think Jung Jung understood. And yeah. I, I think Freud may have actually been too far in the other direction. He actually right. viewed the unconscious as an enemy. Right. Jung was smart. Jung got the paradox. He got that it's like it is what you think it is. It is what you expect it to be in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. Um and if you see evil outside of you, then that is inside of you. The darkness you see outside of you is inside of you. Um, <laughs> One of my favorite things about watching lower budget television shows that are sort of mystical is that they frequently will do these like journeying inside someone's mind and then they'll reuse the sets that they normally have, but then it, they just make it creepy. So like if the bar is the set, it's the creepy day in the bar, but you're in someone's mind. And one of my favorites is uh, Legends of Tomorrow went inside one of the characters like worst fears. And so so her girlfriend joins her in her worst fears. And it's like Ikea. <laughs> <laughs> the dangers and the horrors of just getting stuck and trapped in Ikea. And that was the whole episode. I'm like, this is awesome it's sometimes like that you know yeah make making the like the worst uh i think lost girl did something where they were like battling the end of the world but then it, it ended up ended like they just used the same sets because in order to win this battle you had to like go inside the mind or something yeah when we were watching preacher there's a <laughs> there's a sequence in that where one of the characters is she's sort of in limbo uh, like she's dead but she hasn't gone to heaven or hell yet and mm-hmm. and the limbo is just like a black set of her living room <laughs> but it's just like a couch and there's no walls <laughs> it's just blackness and it's just like a couch and a table and a tv and <laughs> and like yeah that's their representation of the inner but but when you think about it like when you dream how often do you dream of your childhood home or your grandparents oh, yeah. house or something like that yeah, recurring dream of being yeah. in my home, but instead of like there are these other rooms yeah. that are through like secret doors that had always been there. Right, right. These yes. rooms had always been there, but you hadn't gone through, and there's these uh-huh. other like people living there. You've got these roommates your whole life that you didn't know were there supporting your household. Yeah. Just like 
tucked up these other stairs in the attic. It's like, what? The whole time. Yeah. Well, right okay. On. So what I, I, I do apologize for not emphasizing the creepy enough. It's okay. um, and did you enjoy it? I mean, like, did you yeah, feel it like good. it was? It was beautiful. Um, I do know that uh, it's a little easier to watch things louder and in a different like there's a there's a way I sit. There's like this blanket and these pillows and my feet up on a thing. Yeah. And this was it was really interesting to be. So I was watching on my bed and my cat was several times like purring on my. So when there were the creepy animals and this animal, there was a little like body confusion. Yeah, <laughs> was like, this is so wonderful. That is so awful. Uh yeah, I here's what I ended up thinking. I, I ended up thinking I am open to Natalie Portman being new Thor. Oh, I think okay. it'd be great if she ends up having powers and magically Have you seen ass. the pictures. Not yet. Uh, OK, I don't know if this is true or not, but some of the leaked photos. She's fucking jacked. Like she put on like 35 pounds. Like I'm serious. Like I'm like, I have never seen that kind of like, uh, who's, um, God damn it. Terminator two, Linda Hamilton, Linda Hamilton. Right. We've talked about how much, but exactly. She got cut, but like, Natalie Portman looks like she ate another person. <laughs> I'm okay, like, I'm gonna look oh, for those. please make that. Cause like Natalie's into body transformation. We've seen her do it multiple times. Like for, for black Swan, she trained for six months with professional ballet dancers. She got right. ripped and like, yeah. she knows how to work hard like that. And man, if she's like, okay, okay. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do what you've seen guys do. I mean, yep. Chris Hemsworth or Henry Cavill, uh, Cavill, whatever, Superman. <laughs> he, he was he was a skinny dude. He was ripped, yep. but he was a skinny dude. And then got, and yeah. I'm like, oh, I want to I want to see that. I so hope that when she puts on the Thor, she's like, burr, 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 burr. oh, my God. OK, I'm going to go look for those because that sounds okay. amazing. Yeah. Sounds okay. like what Angela Bassett note, I got to run. We're actually three minutes. Yeah. Past. OK. <laughs> All right. right awesome. On. That was fun. I'm glad. Yeah. I appreciate you watching it. And uh, and I'll be more clear about creepy stuff in the future. Like, just say it twice. Creepy. OK, I'll be like creepy, creepy. And then at the end, creepy, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'll be ready. <laughs> okay. TV deeply, everybody. Bye-bye. Right, thanks. Bye.